Welcome to the Chi Alpha UNC podcast. We're excited that you've decided to stop by. This spring, we are working our way through the Gospel of Mark. Each week, we will be journeying through this gospel to learn about the life, character, and teachings of Jesus. Today, Samantha continues our series by looking at the arrest, trial, and crucifixion of Jesus, found in Mark 14 and 15. This message was recorded on April 7, 2022, at the McKee Lecture Hall at UNC. Please join us every Thursday at 7 p.m. at the UNC campus. All are welcome. Come as you are, leave as a new creation. What's up, Chi Alpha? Come on now. Hello, everybody. Well, as you, you might know by this point, I'm Jake and this is Callie. Well, hello. We are your new staff members as of a couple weeks ago, so they're throwing us to the wolves tonight. So uh, praise the Lord. Okay, so uh, yeah, welcome. We're glad you're here. We're glad to be here, and it's a wonderful, beautiful day. And so uh, yeah, we got some announcements for you. So who was at women's retreat this last weekend? Yeah! It was awesome. It was so sweet to be with y'all and to experience nature together. We found some good books. That was great. Um, But starting off tonight, we have a testimony uh, from Katie King. everyone. (laughs) I'm Katie. Um, (laughs) Most of you know me. Some of you know me really well. Some of you are like, oh yeah, that's the saxophone girl. Um, (laughs) This is really loud. Okay. So, um, but what I'm about to tell you, most of you don't know. And I am not someone who likes sharing personal details. So being completely honest, I'm freaking out right now. But here we go. Um, So my testimony has two layers. Um, The first layer is what I tell people when they ask for my testimony. I was raised in the church. I was raised to love the Lord. From the time that I could talk, I knew the answer to all the questions. I knew all the Bible stories. I went to Sunday school, I knew all the answers. Um, I got into high school and some rough situations happened which required me to apply that head knowledge that I had acquired since the time I was born, pretty much. Um, Yeah, so high school, my relationship with the Lord just continued to grow. I say constantly, my entire life has been a constantly growing relationship with Him. yeah, being a senior during COVID helped. Um, moving out of, moving away from my parents while COVID was going on and being on my own um, was a challenge. I was told by my pastors to find Chi Alpha, and I did. Um, so that that was a huge blessing, and I have grown so much. Um, so now is a good time to take a couple steps back. to when I was 11 and I got myself addicted to pornography and with that masturbation Um, and it started off as 
something that they told me in Sunday school to stay as far away as I could from. And I was like, how do I know to stay away from it if I don't know what it is? So I looked it up on the internet, because that's what you do. Don't do that. Because um, I started watching, and I couldn't stop. So 11-year-old Katie had this major addiction that she didn't know how to get out of. Um, seventh grade, I took a purity class, because that's what you did when you were a church kid. And I got convicted to tell my parents. That was the singular hardest conversation I've ever had. Um, they put up safeguards, and I found loopholes. Um, so that was the start of a struggle that continued for years. Um, I kind of entered this cycle of I would sin throughout the week. I would be living in this secret sin. And then I would show up to church on Sunday and on Wednesday, and I would feel this major conviction. And I would be sitting in church service, and I would come up with elaborate plan after elaborate plan to get myself to stop. Um, and something I'd like to mention is that none of these plans that I came up with, this continued for years, none of them involved another person because... I was the church kid. Um, I'm the oldest of four kids. Um, everyone looks up to me. All the youth kids look up to me. All my siblings look up to me. There's no way that I could let them down by telling them that I was living in this sin. Um, so I wrestled with that, and I didn't want to tell anyone. So I struggled alone, thinking, oh, me and God got this. Um, it didn't work, unsurprisingly. Um, I also went through a period of time that I tried to convince myself it wasn't a sin. Um, if you're in that boat, get off of it. Um, <laughs> pornography and masturbation, yes, both are sexual immorality. And if you want to know how I reached that conclusion, you can talk to me afterwards. Um, so I'm in college still living in this secret sin. You know, I've joined Chi Alpha, and what happens when you join Chi Alpha and you join a small group is your relationship with God starts to grow. So the, I, my, my relationship with God was growing. I'm still living in this secret sin. And then I think around December, January-ish, I get a call from my small group leader saying, hey, would you like to take LTC and be a small group leader? And I was like... Yeah, of course, because God had already started putting it on my heart, and um, so, so I hang up the phone with Samantha, and I'm like, okay, some things are going to have to change. Um, first, I needed a real diva life. Um, I, I had just kind of sporadically been reading the Bible for most of my life, um, and so I started reading the Bible intentionally every day spending time with the Lord and oh my gosh if you don't do that do it it will change your life because that that is when I really started fighting uh, I'd say up until that like December I had been constant like that was the period of time that I was really like doing research trying to convince myself that I wasn't sinning and the Lord started to convict and I started like fighting but I kept falling I would fall into temptation night after night, and um, until March 23rd. <laughs> it, 
Anyways, so it's a Tuesday night, and in small group, we do the plate breaking exercise, where you write the things you want out of your life on a plate, and we smashed it in a very sketchy alleyway. Um, <laughs> so I wrote pornography and masturbation on there because I, you know, I grew up in youth. I've done the burning, I've done the plates, I've done all the things, so it was kind of routine. Um, we did that in small group, and that night there was temptation, and in desperation I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, let this be gone. And I heard the voice of God say, are you ready to be done? And like, done, done, like, we're never doing this again, and, uh, like, I, I was in addiction. Um, it, it releases dopamine into your brain, and it is actually, like, medically addicting, and so I was like, God, I don't know if I can do this. Um, I, that sounds impossible. Um, the longest I've ever gone is, like, a week and a half. I don't think I can do it, um, and so, like, the, the Lord kept this in the back of my mind. Like, this was all I thought about, um, Wednesday night, I got dragged to Buffalo Wild Wings and got an accountability partner. Um, and then Thursday, I, like, I remember Duncan preaching, but I don't remember anything he said because the entire time, God just put this on my heart. And by the time Thursday night was done, I'm like, all right, I'm committing. I'm never doing this again. So on March 25th, like, Two weeks ago, I celebrated one year free. <laughs> it's all God, man. I could not have done this on my own. Um, so there are two things that I would like to say, um, two reasons that I am, I, I've, I've managed to get enough courage to come up here in front of y'all. Um, I know that my story is not uncommon. I know statistically that a lot of you here today have experienced or are in the middle of the same thing that I went through. And I wanna say two things to you. The first is don't do it alone. If I, I needed someone so desperately when I was in the middle of that sin to look me in the eye and tell me that I can't do it alone, um, that you need accountability um, because, and that you, you can't, you just can't. You think you can, but you can't. Um, so if, you, if you're struggling through this alone, talk to someone, I beg you. Talk to me, talk to your small group leader. I promise you, if you come up to me and say that you're living in secret sin like this, I will not look at you differently. I will not judge you. I will kneel down next to you and say I'm with you till the end. Because, yeah. The second thing is don't focus on your sin. And this kind of goes for all sin, but don't focus on your relationship with God. Because when, when I was like, okay, my life needs to change, my first my first move was to start spending more time with God, and he's the one that changed me. It wasn't me, it was God. And so if, if you're living in the middle of any sin, whether it be secret or public, don't focus on overcoming your sin, because if you focus on that and not on God, you're going to fail every time. The Bible says, submit to the Lord, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The submitting... 
The submitting to the Lord has to come first. You, you can't, like, if you resist the devil without submitting to the Lord first, he's going to laugh in your face. So pursue a relationship with God and don't do it alone. Yep. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. That's, yeah, amen. Amen, Katie. That's, wow. Thank you, Jesus. That is fantastic. Wow. All right. Thank you, Lord. Well, um, that, that was a great testimony and a great little segue into, from women's retreat into what we got next, into men's retreat. Come on. Come on. Man, oh, let's be real. It says retreat. But it's an advance. Come on. Men's advance. Come on. All right. So tonight is the last night to sign up. It is the last night. If you sign up tomorrow, too bad. So, um, dang. I'm just saying. You, you make time for what you care about. Um, so, yeah, please come. Now, also another reason you want to come, you already got to see him ripping it on the guitar up here. But Jake Leffler, that stud up there and the stud here, is coming, right? Now, here's the thing. I don't know how many of you know about Jake Leffler. I know a little bit, not nearly as much as some, but what I do know is that Colorado Chi Alpha, the whole state, wouldn't be the, what it is today without Jake Leffler, right? Everyone here is, is pretty much a byproduct of his commitment to Jesus as well. So it's a huge deal to be there. And him and his wife have been world missionaries for like over eight years. So like, he's got, he's just, the Lord has done so many incredible things in him and through him, and I know he's got some, some fire word for us this weekend, and we're just going to have a lot of fun. I mean, we're going to be shooting guns, too, so, I mean, it's going to be pretty great. Um, but yeah, please come. It's going to be fantastic, and if you don't come, well, then you're going to regret it, so there's that. Uh, so the end of the year is coming up. Finals are slowly creeping in. But with that, we're going to have an end of the year party. Woo! And we're also going to have baptisms. If you know anybody that wants to sign up, if you want to sign up, talk to your small group leader. We want to get people dunked. So really exciting. Oh, yeah, getting dunked. All right. I got dunked in a hot tub. It was pretty great. Um, okay, we got some honor bombs. We got Caleb and Ryan. Caleb and Ryan. Oh, Caleb, I guess you're first. Hi, Caleb. It's because I ran up here first. <laughs> All right, so the guy that I am going to be honoring is another, none other than Ben Flora. <laughs> got Oh, he's going to cry. It'll be awesome. <laughs> uh, ben has been such a blessing. He joined small group, what was that, last November, and just immediately just caught on fire and was just, and just, he just grew in so many amazing ways. It was so cool to see. He's been such a blessing to small group, just a blessing to have in the room and to see him just uh, finish his, up his uh, LTC interviews going to be on leadership this upcoming year it is just so cool to see. Huh. Uh, but the, the scripture that comes to mind when I think of Ben is, uh, is in the Beatitudes when Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and they will be filled. And I've just seen Ben just like 
completely just give up things and completely just go 100% towards Jesus in the pursuit of just of just satisfying him and making him happy. And I'll, side note, guys, you've heard of a Proverbs 31 woman. This is a Proverbs 31 dude, all right? You know, <laughs> like if you see his apartment, like it is the, it's the cleanest apartment from a dude you'll ever seen. Like, <laughs> a man, he, he cleans, I'm sure he cooks and he does all, he's, he does his laundry, it's so, <laughs> and he's cute, come on now, <laughs> uh, there's like none other, Ben Floor, I love you dude. My name is Ryan, if you don't know me. Hello. Thank you. I like yours too. It's good. Um, so the guy I'm honoring tonight, uh, he's not here, but um, David Hoffman. Yes. Yes, uh, daddy. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm like a secret admirer of daddy. Um, I know that sounds a little weird, but um, he is totally uh, unashamed of God, and I admire that so much. Um, if praise is a little lackluster and I'm not singing, he's right next to me going full out, uh, praising God, and um, he's uh, in that um, in the service as well, and he's always like, yeah, God, you know, and... Uh, I mean, yeah, he's all for it. He's unashamed. He's willing to step up. He's willing to uh, help out at any time. And um, I think we could all be a little more like Daddy. All right. So last but not least, you know her, you love her. Samantha, let's bring in the word. Hey guys. I'll be your really good friend, CJ. <laughs> All right, I'm going to move this over here. Sorry, Jake, I'm ruining your setup. I know, the other Jake. <laughs> All right, well, hey guys. It is seriously such a packed night, and this is seriously such a blessing. This is awesome. Um, but yeah, how's everybody doing? Good? You guys are loud tonight. The worship tonight was seriously awesome. Thank you, Jake. That was really, really good. Um, and seriously, thank you guys for coming tonight. I'm like seriously really nervous to be talking about this because we're talking about the crucifixion. And yeah, it's, it's heavy stuff. Like, it's really, really, it's heavy, and it makes me uncomfortable. It should make us uncomfortable. Um, but, yeah, that's what we're going to be getting into tonight. Um, last week, if you weren't here, Peter preached an awesome message on end times. Um, I know I learned a lot. I honestly did. I was taking a lot of notes. Um, but tonight, like I said, we're going to be talking about the arrest and the crucifixion of Jesus, okay? Um, 
Now, personally, um, I'm already going to get into this, but I really believe that we, as believers and Christians, would not be believers without the crucifixion and the resurrection, right? Like, we, if without the crucifixion and the resurrection, all it would be is just Jesus going around doing miracles, healing people, like, they're still big stuff, you know? But we wouldn't have any basis if we didn't have the crucifixion and resurrection. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you guys, too. Is that okay? Okay. Um, I, I personally don't believe that the Western church or the American church talks enough about the crucifixion. I really think that we kind of glance over it as just like, he died for our sins, and then we just put it under the rug. And it, it, makes, it makes me angry, like, honestly, because, like, don't get me wrong, the resurrection we also would not be believers if, you know, Jesus just stayed in the tomb, you know? Um, we need the resurrection, but don't hear me wrong. The resurrection is good, but what I'm saying is we need to stop glancing over the crucifixion. We, ne- we, we can't. Um, personally, growing up, I literally had no idea what this meant. Like, I grew up in a Roman Catholic church, and so it was like every Sunday, you know, there's Jesus on the cross at the front, um, of the altar, but I still really, truly had no idea what the crucifixion meant until I started coming to small group, and that's truly when I surrendered my life to the Lord, so we really, really need to talk, sorry, sorry, (laughs) but we really need to talk about this, Um, so Lord Jesus, God, thank you so much for tonight, God, thank you so much for all these people, Lord, that came Jesus, I just pray, Lord, that you just ease any nerves. Um, Lord, I pray that you use me tonight, Lord, that it is not my words, God, that is speaking. But Holy Spirit, I invite you and ask you to speak through me, Lord, and to guide me, Jesus, into what we need to hear tonight. Lord, I pray that you soften our hearts. Lord, would you convict us, Um, Jesus, and would you remind us that it's okay to be uncomfortable, Lord, because we need to know this stuff. Um, Lord, we just love you so much, God. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right. Um, Now, starting off, this is just a question. Has anybody here seen The Passion of the Christ? Yeah? Okay, good. That's like half the people in here. Oh, is it? Round two. Nice. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's really, really good. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. Mark said they're watching it at the guy's house. So, seriously, be there. Um, the first time I watched it, it I, I made a mistake because I thought that it was legit like the entire life of Jesus, like the time he was born to when he rose. Um, and so Lori, my small group leader at the time, suggested me to watch it. And so I was like legit a three-month-old believer. I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, this sounds fun. And so I had nothing to do on a Saturday and so I just pulled it up on my laptop in my room, and I was like, the beginning, you, like, see Jesus start getting arrested, and I was like, wait, like, am I, like, skipping ahead in the movie? Like, this is really weird, but it just kept going, and uh, I'm not even kidding, guys. That movie changed my life. Like, seriously, I was, like, texting my small group afterwards, and I was just wailing in my room. I was like, guys, like, I had no idea it was like this. It's it's a really, really good movie. Um, and also, Ashley told me this a couple days ago 
But she said that apparently when the movie first came out, that church attendance went up a lot and people were getting saved because of this movie. Um, and so truly that proves the point. Um, we need to talk about the crucifixion and it needs to be talked about like blatantly as it is with no sugar coating it um, because 100% the lost will repent because they know or they will know what Jesus did for them, right? All right, so first we're going to get into some background because we have seriously a lot to talk about tonight. So get ready because this is going to be a long night. But Sadie told me to say this a couple days ago. I was like, I was preparing for this and I was like, Sadie, like this is so much. Like I don't know if I should like cut things out or something. And Sadie goes, she was like, no, like she was like, it was, it was a long time for Jesus. So it needs to be a long time for us. So yes, amen, Sadie. All right. But let's go through some of the background. So um, we're going to be starting in Mark 14. We're just going to kind of go through like a rough background of what happened. We're not going to get into the text yet. Um, but basically we see at the beginning of Mark 14 is said to be two days before Passover, right? Also, I just really, really like this picture because I feel like you see it all over the Internet as like memes of all the disciples, and it's pretty funny, some of their faces. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so at the beginning of Mark 15, it's said to be two days before Passover. Um, and like we've seen in all of Mark, the scribes and the chief priests, right, they're all trying to find a way to get Jesus arrested and killed. Um, and then we see the disciples and Jesus preparing for the Passover. Now, if you don't know what the Passover is, for the sake of time, just please go read Exodus. Okay, um, just, yeah, yeah, just for your free time, just go read the book. It's, it's good. Um, but also, if you guys need commentary to listen to it, I highly encourage you go listen. Um, it's actually a sermon that Peter preached last spring um, on the Passover. I'm not just saying this because Peter's, like, sitting right in front of me, but it's by far my favorite sermon, like, preach it at Chi Alpha. Like, it, it convicted me a lot, so please go watch it. Um, it's on our YouTube page. So, um, But yeah, in the Passover, the Passover was a holiday that the Jews celebrated to thank God for his mercy over his chosen people, right? Um, and now we see that the disciples are eating their Passover meal, which is famously known as the Last Supper, right? Now, the only thing I want to note from this dinner um, is that at this, at this dinner, Jesus calls out that he knows that one of his own is about to betray him. Um, now, I really believe that this is a crucial observation to the arrest and crucifixion um, because Jesus is fully aware of everything that's about to happen, right? This is no surprise to him. Um, it's literally time and time again throughout the New Testament or in the Gospels that this is prophesied, right? The crucifixion is prophesied. And in the Old Testament, we'll get to that later. Um, but in Mark 8.31, where you can throw that up there, it says, um, Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. Again in Mark 9 says, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, and three days later he will rise from the dead. 
Finally, in Mark 10, 33, says, listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him with a whip, and kill him. But after three days later, he will rise again. Isn't that really cool? Like, this is 100% an event that was planned out, and we see this time and time again. Now, like I said, we're going to get into a little bit more about the Old Testament prophecies um, about Jesus' um, death, which is prophesied multiple times, but we'll get into that later. Um, but let's get back into the storyline. So Jesus calls out one of his disciples, right, at Passover, um, which he knows is Jesus, Jesus, Judas, but he doesn't say this. Um, now, Judas gets up and he leaves because Jesus tells the betrayer to go and do what he needs to do, Right? Um, now, after the last supper, Jesus' disciples go to bed, and Jesus goes to the garden, and he starts praying to the Father, right? Why are you laughing, Peter? Oh, <laughs> thought I said something wrong. Anyways, <laughs> um, oh, <laughs> anyways, anyways, um, but he starts praying to the Father, um, and we'll talk about this later, but we really need to get into the scripture so I don't preach for two hours. Um, <laughs> yeah, Sadie would like that. <laughs> um, but I want to note that truthfully, you could preach a whole sermon on just the arrest um, and the trial of Jesus. But for tonight, we're just going to briefly talk about the arrest and then go really, really deep into the crucifixion. So let's begin in Mark 14, 14 and we're going to start in verse 43. If you guys want to open up your Bibles there. Um, if not, it's up here. All right, so verse 43 starts. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, suddenly arrived. With him was a mob with swords and clubs um, from the Shied. Yeah, maybe. Um, oh, oh, yeah, I just spelled it wrong on here, sorry. Um, from the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. His betrayer had given them a signal, the one I kiss, he said. He's the one. Arrest him and take him away under guard. So when he came, immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. They took hold of him and arrested him. One of those who stood by drew a sword, struck the high priest's servant, and cut off his ear. Jesus said to him, Have you come out with the swords and clubs as if I were a criminal to capture me? Every day I was among you, teaching and deserted or teaching in the temple, and you didn't arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then they all deserted him and ran away. Now a certain young man wearing nothing but a linen cloth was following him. They caught hold of him, but he left the linen cloth behind and ran away naked. All right. Um, now first, I think we should talk about the obvious thing tonight, which is Judas. Um, now, while doing research, I found out that the kiss that Judas gives Jesus when he's saying, this is the one, I'm going to mark him um, by my kiss, that this was actually a brotherly kiss that he gives Jesus. Like, isn't that sad? Like, that truly just makes me very uncomfortable. Um, and this is the same Judas, sorry guys, <laughs> Judas, I'm not going to get this wrong, I'm not preaching heresy. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> This was the same Judas who was one of the 12 and is now selling out Jesus for money. 
Another important note about this interaction is if you look at the laws of the high priest, that's one of the things I wanted to do to try to get a lot of like historical context about this. Um, but if you look at the laws of the high priest and the chief priest from this time, the law actually declared that they must not meet or even arrest anyone at night. Right? And we find that literally this is in the middle of the night that Jesus was arrested. And we'll talk a little bit more later um, about this, but there are seriously so many ways in which the arrest and execution of Jesus was illegal. A lot. Um, All right, so let's go back into verse 53. Um, Verse 53 starts by saying, They led Jesus away to the high priest, and all the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes assembled. Peter followed him at a distance right into the high priest's courtyard. He was sitting with the servants, warming himself by the fire. The chief priest and the whole um, Sanhedrin, thanks guys, (laughs) um, were looking for testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they could not find any. For many were giving false testimony against him, and the testimonies did not agree. Some stood up and gave false testimony against him, stating, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days I will build another not made by hands. Yet their testimony did not even agree to this. Then when the high priest stood up before them all and questioned Jesus, Don't you have any answer to what these men are testifying against you? But he kept silent, and he didn't answer. Again the high priest questioned him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, Why do we still need witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What is your decision? They all condemned him as deserving death. Then some began to spit on him, to blindfold him, and beat him, saying, Prophecy, prophesy. The temple servants also took him and slapped him. All right. (sighs) This is heavy. Now, I first want to point out from this um, that what they did with Jesus in his trial was again illegal. Um, Now, during this time, the act of ripping off a prisoner's clothes, um, or in this case, a robe, Um, is a sign that the prisoner is deserving of the death penalty, okay? And this is illegal because in this time when a person was on trial for literally anything, um, they could not come up with a verdict that day, right? They had to wait a whole day. And this was so they didn't make any decision based on their emotions, right? That's why they have this law. Um, but like we see, the high priests, they already make up their minds about Jesus long before his trial. Um, now, I remember when I first read this passage as a kid, like, I was really confused because um, the fact that the high priests were asking Jesus so many questions about him, and he literally stays silent, right, and he doesn't say anything. But when Caiaphas asks Jesus, are you the Messiah, Jesus says yes. And so, like, you know, little Samantha, like, always thought, like, Jesus, why, why would you say yes? Like, why wouldn't you just keep silent through this whole trial, right? And you probably would be let off. Um, but when I read this quote by G. Campbell Morgan, um, my question was really, really answered. Um, he said, 
His answer had swept that need away. The answer of Jesus compelled wicked, wickedness to act in the light. If they would slay him, they must do so on the basis of that claim and not for a false reason. Right? For Jesus, like we know, he cannot deny who he is. Jesus knew that if they were going to crucify him, they at least have to know truly who they are crucifying. Right? Which first, this shows the character of Jesus, that Jesus is not a coward. He is going to be 100% honest about who he is, even when he knows what's coming to him. Even if that means being killed for it, because Jesus cannot deny himself, his identity. And this alone got me thinking a lot of, honestly, about our denial of Jesus. That truly his motive for not denying his identity as the Messiah was because he really couldn't. But also, he knew what needed to be done on that cross. Now, at the end of Mark 14, we are told about how Peter denies Jesus. Um, but for the sake of time, we're not going to get into it. But I seriously highly encourage you guys to go and do your own research on it, right? Um, it's Mark 14, verses 66 through 72. So go read that. Um, but let's keep reading into it. So now we're at the end of Mark, and we're starting at the beginning of Mark 15, which says, As soon as it was morning, having held a meeting with the elders, scribes, and the whole... Thank you, guys. Sanhedrin. <laughs> I promise I know what I'm talking about a little bit. <laughs> um, the chief priest tied Jesus up, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. So Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, you say so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. Pilate questioned him again, aren't you going to answer? Look how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still did not answer. And so Pilate was amazed. Right? So we see here that Caiaphas and the chief priests have now handed Jesus off to Pilate, who at this time was a governor to the Romans. So now Jesus is not only being questioned by the Pharisees and by the Jews, but he's now being handed off to the Romans. And we see this incident again where Jesus is constantly being questioned about everything, but he stays silent, right? He doesn't give them a direct answer. Um, and this leads me to the first point of the night. Um, Lori can throw this up there. Jesus chose to go on the cross. He was not forced because let me say, there, and I want to say this really clear because I don't want you guys to get me wrong. Um, there was no evidence on Jesus besides his words. I mean, we could say, yes, he performed miracles and he raised people from the dead, right? But so many people also accused him of doing those things because he was possessed by a demon or because he was Satan, right? They didn't truly believe that just because you did those things, that meant that you were the son of God. So Jesus could have easily said, no, their accusations were wrong. And most likely there was a very good chance he just would have been let off, right? Or at least he wouldn't be crucified. Um, therefore, this was all in the Father's will. This was meant to happen. And truly, I hope this really makes us reflect on our own lives. As Christians, was there ever a time when we denied Jesus with our mouths? Even if it was just a conversation that you, with you had with your friend and you didn't stand up for the Lord, 
um, you denied him. Because I know 100% of us in this room at one time or another has done that. I myself included. Because I just want to say the same Jesus who you deny could have denied you before Caiaphas and Pilate. But he chose to die for you instead. All right. Now let's keep going. At the festival, Pilate used to release release for the people a prisoner whom they requested. There was one named Barabbas who was in prison with rebels who has committed murder during the rebellion. The crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do for them as was his custom. Pilate answered them, do you want me to release the king of the Jews for you? For he knew it was because of envy that the chief priest had handed him over. But the chief priest stirred up, stirred up the crowd so that he would release Barabbas to them instead. Pilate asked them again, then what do you want me to do with the one you call the king of the Jews? Again, they shouted, crucify him. Pilate, crucify him. Pilate said to them, why? What has he done wrong? But they all shouted all the more, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. And after having Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. All right, here's where we get into, I mean, it's always been good, but we're going to get into the really nitty-gritty stuff. So we see throughout this whole narrative of Jesus being arrested, it's all been about Jesus, right? And now we're introduced to this new character named Barabbas. Um, and I'm just warning you, um, you that we're going to be talking about Barabbas a little bit tonight, but here's why. So on Tuesday, a um, little backstory, I was working at Margie's. Or yeah, I was working on my sermon at Margie's, and I was with Sadie, um, and she sent me this video on Barabbas. Yeah, Judah Smith. Um, please look it up because it's seriously really, really good and helped me a lot with what we're going to talk about. But then, legitimately, yesterday, so this is 24 hours later, I had just woken up, and Ashley randomly sends me the same exact video, and I was like, okay, that's cool. And then today, I'm, doing, I'm sitting at home, and I'm doing my last-minute touches um, on my sermon, and I'm listening to it again, and Peter overhears me, and um, Peter asked me, he's like, is that, you know, Brabus, the um, Loving Brabus by Judah Smith? And I was like, yeah, and he was like, I was literally just going to send this to you. And so I'm just saying, guys, I truly think that the Lord wants us to learn something about this video right? So please, please go look it up, but we're going to be really talking about it again tonight. Um, But anyways, this is a very quick interaction between Barabbas and Jesus, Um, but at the same time, this holds so much weight to Jesus's trial and crucifixion, right? Now, the only thing that we are told about Barabbas is that he committed murders during the rebellion. Now, I'm not exactly sure how many people, right, or his involvement within the rebellion, but we can make an assumption that he was a very bad man, right? Like, we don't just think of the, you know, word murder and just think he's okay. Um, So we're given a scene where both Jesus and Barabbas are on death row. 
And Pilate stands up and he announces that because this is a holy day, that one prisoner is chosen to be released from death row and he can go free. And he asks the crowd, who do you want me to release, Jesus or Barabbas? Now hear why this is just insane and crazy. Because Jesus and Barabbas should not even be compared on any level, right? I mean, we have the son of the living God and a murderer, right? For Barabbas, he truly, truly deserves the change. He deserves to be on death row, and he deserves the punishment of death, which was handed to him. And I think it's obvious that Jesus did not deserve to be put on death row, right? Literally whatsoever, But as the crowd gets stirred up and they all say they want Barabbas to be released. Now, here's the thing I want us to look at. What did Jesus do? He did not say a word. Now, this scene with Barabbas is mentioned, I looked this up, in every single gospel. It's in Matthew, Luke, Mark, and John, right? And in every single account, Jesus says nothing during this interaction, but why? This leads me to the second point of the night, which says, for Jesus knew that the Father had to treat Jesus like Barabbas so Barabbas can be treated like Jesus. Now, I just want that quote to really, really, really sink in with us tonight, okay? And we're going to be talking more about Barabbas at the end of the night, so don't forget about him because we're not done with him. Um, so now we see in verse 13 that, that they still wanted Jesus crucified, right? He's still on death row. So it says in verse 15 that Jesus was handed off to be flogged. Now, like I said in the beginning, we're going to be going into a lot of detail because we are not sugarcoating legit anything tonight. So it says that Jesus was flogged, but it doesn't say much into the detail of what that was like. All right. Now, this is partly, I think, because when it says um, Jesus was flogged, Jesus was crucified, it gives no details of what that happened. But um, I was listening to a Mike Weir commentary about this, um, and he said that the reason he believes that was is because Mark was written to the Romans, right? He was written to the Gentiles. And so these Romans, they know what crucifixion is. You don't have to give a list by list of what crucifixion is. Like, they've seen it. They've witnessed it, right? So there needs, there doesn't have to be any details with them. Um, Now, this is what the Romans used for flogging prisoners, right? We weren't even told how many lashes Jesus got during this time. There was an old Jewish law that actually stated that a prisoner couldn't have more than 40 lashes, right? That that was the limit, which is still like, still, yeah, like 40, yeah. But this punishment wasn't carried out by the Jews. It was carried out by the Romans, right? Because Pilate was the one that ordered Jesus to be flogged and crucified. Now, from what we can see from the pictures, this is legit a severe way to torture somebody. Um, During this, a prisoner would be stripped of his clothes And we're not sure if this means he was totally naked because at this time, you know, a piece of clothing, clothing covering, you know, your parts, that was considered being naked still. Um, And the prisoner would have his hands tied above his head on a pole with his entire back exposed, right? And he would be whipped. 
Um, now, I was a biology major, so I like to look into all the medical stuff, and so I have a lot of that stuff down here. Um, so I looked up, like, the medical, um, like, all the symptoms and everything that were happening to Jesus as he was being flogged and crucified. Now, it says that the first couple of blows would not, or would have only torn the surface of the skin, right? And I'm not saying this in any light way. Um, but the more blows that win, it would tear deep down into the muscle, so much that there are accounts of prisoners dying just from getting flogged, that the blood loss would be so severe that they didn't even have to go to the crucifixion, right? So at the end of this, prisoners were normally left with legit ribbons of skin hanging from their backs, ribbons, that legit just gave me goosebumps even just thinking about that. Now, from this, a lot of medical experts have said that Jesus most likely started going into hypovolemic shock, right? Which means that his organs have probably already started to shut down, right? And a lot of symptoms from this shock was confusion, going in and out of consciousness, right? Symptoms that Jesus experienced as he was carrying the cross, right? Ugh. All right, let's keep going. So the soldiers led him away into the palace. That is the governor's residence and called the whole company together. They dressed him in a purple robe, twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on him. And they began to salute him. Hail, king of the Jews. They were hitting him on the head with a stick and spitting on him, and they stripped him of the purple robe and put his clothes on him. They led him away to crucify him. They forced a man coming in from the country who was passing by to carry Jesus' cross. His, he was Simon of Cyrene. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, yeah, which means place of the skull. They tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Then they crucified him and divided his clothes, casting lots for them to decide what each would get. Now it was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge written against him was the king of the Jews. They crucified him, two criminals with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by were yelling insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, Ha! The one who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself by coming down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests with the scribes were mocking him among themselves and saying, he saved others, but he cannot save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross so that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him taunted him. Now, something I want all of us to understand from this is, did you know that through this, Jesus spent more time being mocked verbally and ridiculed than the actual physical torture? Now, for the main reason for this was that Roman soldiers would make the prisoners walk through the town, right? The town wasn't like the shortcut of getting to the place of the skull, but it literally was for to publicly shame the prisoner, right? So they legitimately would make Jesus walk throughout the town on his way up. 
And this was for public shame. For even the act, right, the act of being crucified marks you as like the worst of the worst, right? Only the worst receive this kind of death. It's literally like today going into a supermax prison where there are serial killers and rapists and terrorists, right? And now we see the king of the universe is in that supermax prison on death row. Isn't that unbelievable? And while Jesus walked down around town carrying the cross while he's bleeding, right? He's going in and out of consciousness repeatedly with a crown of thorns piercing into his skull, which was meant to mock him. I bet you the people in the crowds probably thought a lot of pity and shame on Jesus. But here's a really good quote that I want you guys to understand. His followers might be mourning, but you know what they probably aren't doing, thinking that this is his great victory. They think this is his great shame, and they didn't realize these two are the same thing. Now, while I was doing research for this, the biggest thing that stood out to me was the fact that not even once did Jesus ask for help. Right? He never asked for pity. It was actually said that Simon, who helped carry the cross, the Romans asked him to, right? This wasn't, Jesus never asked of this. He never asked for pity. He never asked something to drink. He never asked them to stop. And I mean, he is fully God and fully man. So it wasn't like he couldn't feel pain, right? He felt every single blow and he didn't ask them to stop. Which leads us to our third point of the night. He did not save himself so that he could save others. He very much chose not to save himself so that he could save you. Every single person in this room. Now we're going to get back into some of the gruesome stuff. So after Jesus walks up with help from Simon, to which they call the place of the skull, Jesus is laid out on the cross. And it's actually believed that they actually nailed his, he nailed the nails into his wrists, right? Not his hands. Um, Because it's actually believed that if you nail, like nails into your palms, your body can't hold that up. And so it literally like rips through your flesh. But in order to get to the other hand where it needed to be, once they have nailed that hand, because they reuse these crosses, so they already have probably like a lot of previous nails hold, nail holes already into the cross, right? So in order to get to the hand where the other hole needs to be, the Roman soldiers most likely had to really pull as hard as they can and dislocate his shoulders, It's also debated whether his feet were nailed to the cross or if they were just tied there on a rope, right? But either way, that means it's still horrific. There is also physical evidence that Roman soldiers would actually break the legs of the crucified as they were hanging there because sometimes it took them so long to die that they just wanted it to be shorter, right? 
Um, and they did this because we know that the main cause of death from crucifixion was actually being suffocated. And this was because when Jesus was up on the cross, the way your body hung forward on the cross with your shoulders dislocated, it put your lungs in such a position where you couldn't exhale, right? And so the only way, ugh, the only way to exhale is if you push your whole body up across. You push your whole body also pushing up the nails that are going through your wrist and having a lot of hard splintery pieces of wood where you're bleeding and gushing blood, right? Because he's just been flogged. And he did this just so he could exhale one time. Now, it obviously would be too painful to stay up like this. So Jesus would slump down again. But obviously, 10 seconds later, he needs to do this again, right? And so we'd have to do this again of lifting himself up so he could breathe. Now, I just really want all of us just to take a moment to just think about this. Like, truly ponder the pain, the hours of moving up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, just so he could breathe. Ugh. Before we go any further, um, I want to read a psalm with y'all that truly prophesizes Jesus the Messiah. Um, a lot of you guys already know this. It's Psalm 22, which says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out day by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man. Scorned by everyone. Now listen to this. Scorned by everyone. Despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted within me. My mouth is dried up, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Now, the reason I really, really wanted to bring this scripture up tonight is because I want you guys to see the significance 
and the weight of the crucifixion. That this was not something that the Father just like botched together last minute, right, in the hope of saving us, right? But the Father knew literally forever that we as humans need a Savior, that we truly need a Messiah to save us. Whew. All right, now let's finish in Mark 15. What says, when it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. I'm totally going to botch this. Eloi, Eloi. Just listen to Peter. <laughs> Which is translated, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, See, he's calling for Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, fixed it on a stick, offered him a drink, and said, Let's see if Elijah comes down to take him. Jesus let out a loud cry and breathed his last. Then the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the centurion who was standing opposite him, saw the way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the son of God. There were also women watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger, um, the younger and of um, Joseph and Solomon. There you go. In Galilee, these women followed him and took care of him. Many other women had came up with him to Jerusalem. All right, now worship team, you guys can come back up. Or praise team, sorry. Yeah, praise team. Um, so here's the big thing where I want to wrap up tonight, okay? We just read that Jesus is literally hanging on the cross. And he's trying to breathe. And he yells up into heaven saying, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Now, I don't want anyone in this room to get confused here and think, well, if Jesus was really the son of God, then he would know that God wouldn't abandon him, right? I don't want us to think that. But literally the whole reason that Jesus willingly went up to that cross and died was because of sin. Jesus literally became sin and took on the wrath of God for us. This is why he's crying out to God. Because the wrath of God is being poured out on him. Now, I want to encourage you all to go and do research and study on this. But sin and God do not even compare. You can't compare them. You can't even put them next to each other. Because God is holy. That's literally just who he is. And sin is sin. There's nothing you can do to change it. There's only one thing that we can do as humans to not be sinful because we as humans have a sinful nature. And that one thing is Jesus. He was the only thing ever that could permanently wash us to be clean, to even get right with the Father. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, self-denial is a necessary aspect of a Christian life. That the cross is central to human understanding. And that without the atonement, every one of us would stand forever in the role of Judas. 
Now, before we close here, I want to bring up Barabbas back into this because we need to ask ourselves, well, who is sin, right? Well, before we accept Jesus into our lives, it's all of us. It's because of sin that Jesus was crucified. Now, at one point or the other, and maybe still now, we were all sin. And therefore, we have to accept that we are Barabbas. Guys, we are Barabbas. That means me. That means you. Every single person in here. That's all of us. And you know what's crazy? That Jesus went up on that cross and he died for us being fully aware that we might not ever turn back to him. Romans 5, 8 says, For while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God sent his son for Barabbas. And we have no idea where Barabbas went. We don't know if he repented or if we kept walking away. But you know what? Jesus still went up on that cross and said, Barabbas, I love you no matter what. His actions show us that. For I know we have people in here tonight that believe that they can just shake their chains off. That they can just break away from the powers of sin. But let me just tell you, you, you are no match for the powers of sin. We are frail human beings. And if you believe for one minute, one minute that you can turn away from sin and the sadness of the world by yourself, you are lying to yourself. I know I couldn't. I mean, I didn't even want to be on this world anymore because I couldn't get out of my sin by myself. William Barclay says that each of us as humans has a heart that resents law and discipline. So you are no match for the power of sin. The only person that can bring you out of sin is Jesus. Because guess what? He already did it. You just have to accept it. And let me just finish tonight by saying that when Barabbas was chosen and he went down and was welcomed into the crowd, like I said, Jesus stayed silent. And I just want to give like a what if. Like even at that time, if Barabbas turned around and said, no, Jesus, not you. Like you shouldn't be the one doing this. You're the son of the living God. Let me go instead because I deserve this. You know what Jesus would say? He would tell Barabbas, no. He would say, no, I got this. He wants our pain. He wants our guilt, your shame, your sin, your brokenness, your wickedness. And Jesus is going to that cross and he died with all of it. So that you can live an eternal life with Jesus. So right now, I just want all of us to take a time of response. Um, because all of us is going to respond to the crucifixion of Jesus. And you are going to respond to him by either surrendering to him or turning away from him like Barabbas. There is no in between. So if you want and you desire that gift of salvation that Jesus paid for, then I want you to find one of our staff. Um, all the staff, guys, if you could come down in the front or the back um, and just be ready for people. Um, but find them, and they will be scattered around the room. And I want them 
or I want you guys to let them pray for you. And if you are a believer and you just have this one sin that you've been holding on to, kind of like what Katie was talking about, right? You love the Lord and you just can't let go of this one thing. Please, I urge you and I beg you to lay it down. I urge you, please come up and be prayed over. (sighs) Heavenly Father, Lord, we just praise your name, God, and we lift you up tonight. Lord, I just thank you so immensely, Lord, for what you did for every single one of us in this room. Lord, we deserve nothing, Lord, of what you did for us. Lord, but it's out of your love, Jesus, that you spilled your blood for us and washed us clean. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you just convict us, Lord, in this time of response. Lord, would you help guide our hearts back to you, Lord, not away from you, Jesus. Lord, and would you just let us walk away tonight with changed hearts. Lord, fully understanding, Jesus, what you went through. Lord, and would you please give us boldness. Lord, that we can share this message, Jesus, with the rest of UNC. Lord, we love you so much, God. Lord, we pray all these things in your name. For more information, please visit xaunc.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash xaunc. Our Instagram handle is at xaunc and you can find all of our content on our YouTube channel by searching for Chi Alpha UNC. Until next time, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering.